Engage quantum drive. Hey now, and welcome to Quantum Drive. I'm Rob, and Katie will be joining me in just a moment for today's episode. After the premiere of the episode Midnight Blue, we had the opportunity to chat with John Kassar, one of two directors for season three of The Orville, who also directed several other episodes throughout the first two seasons. We talked to John about working on season three, the elaborate sets on the show, directing Dolly Parton and the challenges around making that scene work, and most importantly, is Nurse Park okay? You can follow John on Twitter at John Kassar and on TikTok at John Kassar7. Before we jump into the interview, just a reminder that you can support the production of this show by becoming a backer on Patreon. At the $5 level, you'll get instant access to over 25 hours of exclusive podcasts, including Mark's alternate one-sentence reviews, as well as new bonus content in the future. You can become a backer by visiting our Patreon campaign at thegeekgeneration.com slash support. With that, here's our conversation with John Kassar. Hey, I know these two people. Hey, Hello. how you doing? Good to see you again. Pleasure to see you. I'm excited to talk to you today. I have so many questions. Oh, for, for real? <laughs> oh boy, I hope I can answer most of them. I mean, this has been so strange because most of the stuff where you're seeing, we shot virtually a year ago. So, so trying to remember some of it's a bit difficult, but I'll I'll, I'll try my best. Okay. <laughs> I had that thought the other day too, just because it's been so long since everybody's worked on it. And then seeing all the things that couldn't exist during the time when you're filming has right. to be mind blowing. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's pretty amazing. And you know what we did, you know, how we did it in COVID was just unbelievable. Oh, so yeah. Unreal. It was, you know, look, it was already a challenge this year. I mean, you know, Seth gave us virtually 10 feature film scripts to shoot. So yeah. it was already a challenge. And then throw COVID on top of that, that would just made, you know, was the icing on the cake. But what really helped it is the fact that Seth and I were directing all of them. So basically it was an in-house gig and, and on any given day, we'd be shooting from any given episode. Whatever was available became the way we uh, shot it after we came back from COVID. And so it was just any episode, any day is, is how we shot it. So it came together pretty well, considering we shot it that way. I would say so. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, that actually goes right into the first question that I had for you, which is that it had to be kind of a Herculean task of being one of two directors for an entire season. I know that traditionally different directors will take one episode here and one episode there. So they have enough time to get ready for those episodes. But what was this experience like for you when you were basically one of two? Well, I, I'm a little bit used to it because on 24, I did, I used to do 10 out of 24 episodes. So I used to do almost half every year. I did that for seven years in a row and then still was a producer director. So I'm kind of used to when I did the Kennedys, I did all eight episodes of, of the Kennedys. So I, I'm used to it in a, in a way. This was a little more difficult because of the way we, like I said, when we came back from COVID and on top of that, I had three pregnant actresses, believe it or not. So scheduling around them became a real, you know, like Jessica, who, you know, had that big fight scene in episode two. That was like on the very last week of shooting. Wow. Because she had to have the baby, have her time off and then get in shape to do that fight. So it was virtually the last week of shooting, even though it was episode two. It's unreal. So that, you know, that was a, a big part of it. And 
And because there were only two of us, it was great because otherwise you'd have this directors coming and going. I think more TV is moving into less directors anyways. I think, you know, the director on every episode was kind of in the world of television shows that didn't continue and, and didn't have the kind of storylines we have now. So I'm used to it and I, I kind of like it. I like being involved in as many episodes as I can. It's easier for me than sitting over someone's shoulder and just watching them. <laughs> That's tough for me. Yeah. So in the episode, Gently Falling Rain, and to be fair, every episode this season has been visually awe-inspiring. So when diving into an episode like this, starting from scratch and then working through the episode that we end up seeing, how do you inspire actors to interact with the environment and get all those little details that get added in post-production? Well, I think in one way it's easier for us because it's really there. I think the difficult part is when you're dealing with nothing but green screen. That that becomes a little more difficult for actors to find something concrete to sort of grab onto. So I think from our point of view, when when I was said, you know, one of the first things he told me, he said, look, I've written this episode and it's on Krill and I don't want it to be all CG. I want to build a Krill street, like a full Krill street. And I was like, okay, <laughs> that'd be great. So again, for the actors, it's awesome because it's all there. You're not, you're not imagining what a hundred Krill people walking around are. You're actually amongst a hundred grill people walking around. So that was a, the plus for us, I think, on a lot of this. Amazingly enough, just out of weird coincidence, we virtually built the Krill Street on the old 24 stage. Oh, wow. Where I shot it for seven years. Yeah, it's a very strange coincidence. Some kind of karma in there somewhere. But yeah, and that was one where Seth really wanted to go out on, on a limb and say, look, I, I want to see all these Krill and I want to be in their world. I don't want a, a CG version of it. You know, obviously we did CG above the street, all that stuff flying around and all the tall buildings. But but the actual street was all there. It's exactly what you saw is, is what we did. So so it was, it was a little easier for the actors to interact with all of that. Very easy. But even Talia doing that speech, you know, she had 100 Krill right underneath her cheering her on. So you could tell that the energy was just, and she did such a great job with that yeah. scene. You know, just an amazing job. It's incredible. So there've been some details shared online about the cabin scene and the setup for the whole Dolly Parton simulator piece, including the fact that the cabin was moved to Nashville to shoot part of it with Dolly. To the best of your memory, can you take us through a little bit of what that process was like of shooting it in one place and then another? Well, it's funny because I'd done it before. And quite honestly, even on 24, you, I remember we had this one scene on 24 where Jack Bauer like gets out of a, a vehicle, goes into one place, comes out in a, and it was like virtually on six different locations on six different days. And the whole thing was a minute of screen time. Jeez. And it, it looked like it was all together. So most filmmakers are used to that. And, and basically when Seth finally came up with the great news, because it was in the script for the longest time and we kept going, do we have Dolly? Are we really doing Dolly? And so I was like, not yet. We haven't got her yet. So, and you know, I virtually thought it would go away eventually. And then one day Seth said, we got her. And he said, but here we are in the middle of COVID. It was right in the middle of the most dangerous part of it. There was no way she was getting on a plane. And then she was like, I want to do it all here in my, she's got her own studios, obviously. And so it was her studios and her film crew. But again, part of our show and part of the visual of our show is our director of photography, Jeff McGadden, our camera operators and our lighting crew and all of that. So that became a problem, which was, no, I need those people to make it look the same. I can't just go there and just use her people. So the solution for that was let's build a cabin. Let's light it. Let's get doubles in there and light it, have all the marks on the ground, know where all the lights go, send them a plan, a detailed plan of the lighting. So, and even with the names of the lights and what power to put them at, 
so they can light it the exact same way. And that way, we kind of ensure that the visual look is the same. Because it was only four of us that went, Seth and I, you know, Rena, who plays Havina, and then a makeup artist to do her makeup. Four of us jumped on a private plane one night, got there at night, eight o'clock in the morning, we were shooting Dolly. By noon, we were back on the plane on the way to LA. So it was less than 24 hours, this whole adventure. And of course, we sent people before that with the set and they had it all set up. It was all lit and ready to go. And, you know, again, Dolly didn't have that much time. So that's why we came back and shot the rest of it with Rena back in LA. That's why we did sort of half and half. But it was nice to have Rena there because it was great for Dolly to interact with her. And then at one point, they both started talking about that she was actually from a mountain village too. So was Rena, so was Dolly. And I had to virtually stop at one point and go, okay, guys, we got to shoot this. So it, it connected right away. So there was a, a magical sort of connection instantly with these two mountain girls. So that was the cool part of it. And then she was just fantastic. She just knew her lines, knew it all made some suggestions, put some comedy elements in it, which Seth loved right away, and then sang us a song. It was it was fantastic. We got on a plane, and the next morning you blinked and went, wait, did that happen? That was so yeah. quick. The whole thing was so, so quick. But we knew also it was going to be a fan favorite. And trying to keep the secret for virtually a year was a really tough thing to do. We were all sitting on all these pictures that we were dying to show people and show our families, but no one did because we didn't want to get it out there. So it ended up being a great surprise for everybody. I feel like you already kind of answered this, but you've had a lot of incredible guest stars on the Orville just in general. But is it really, well, you you pretty much said it's surreal to get to direct somebody like Dolly Parton. You know, Bruce, who played the president, Box Lightner, I mean, are you kidding me? You know, watch him all my life, one of my favorite sci-fi actors, and then I get to direct him. I mean, what a pleasure. And so many more. I mean, the fun thing about all of them is, you know, they they come in and they're ready to go. I mean, they're they love the show, and you know, most of them know Seth personally, and so that's a big part of it. And then we just have fun when they come on. It's great, you know. And they're all into it. I mean, they come in at a hundred percent. There's no like I'm just doing a small sci-fi show. They're quite into it. And some of them like Jason Alexander in full makeup, you know. And you just keep going. I kind of worked with Jason Alexander. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of worked with them, but not really. So it was kind of interesting. There's obviously been a lot of sets that are redesigned for this season. Did you have a hand in any of those decisions to help alleviate maybe some of the shooting issues that you ran into in the past? Uh, Well, when we do sets, yeah. I mean, the refit of the the Orville was just something that Seth wanted to do and and just thought it was time to kind of, you know, do a whole upgrade. Same with the uniforms just had a great sort of wardrobe designer that just really upgraded the uniforms for us. So all around, it was just a total upgrade. New director of photography, so the look is a little different. We actually, I don't know if you noticed, we went a little more widescreen than we were before. It got Mm -hmm. a little more film-like. So yeah, it was just a a total upgrade. But yeah, I'm involved in every time we're building a set, a new set that needs to be shot, or even a location for that matter. Yeah, I'm involved obviously right away with, with the production design. And we're, you know... Where are you going to give me space to put cameras, what we want the look to be, where the lights are going to be, all that kind of stuff I'm always involved in, yeah. I'm curious if there's any particular storylines that get you really excited to film, like if they're ship-centric or away missions or acryl-based or Kalon-based, is there something you read on the page and you just get like so excited you get to direct it? Well, think about the shows you've seen this year and imagine reading them and, and thinking, wow, I get to shoot this. All around, it was exciting the whole time. But my only place I'm going to tell you I don't exactly love, but everyone knows this because I complain about it all the time, is the bridge. The bridge is one of the hardest things for us to do. It's a tough one because everyone's just sitting there 
virtually for 12 hours, you know, and some people, all you're doing is seeing their backs. So it, it's hard on the actors. There's just a lot of angles to cover. So that's a tough one for me. Anytime we're going away anywhere, anytime we're doing another planet, those are exciting. You know, those are exciting to do. The Krill Street was just beyond belief what, what we had there. And, you know, we even had, we, we made a little golf cart that looked like a car and just kind of zipped through back and forth. We didn't see it in detail, but it was enough to have something moving. So all of that was pretty exciting to do all that. And then it was fun even just shooting in a high school because we hadn't done that before. So just watching Bordis walk down a high school hallway <laughs> and going into a classroom. So all of that was good. And, and for me, what excites me is a good story. And I've got to tell you, I was never disappointed. I think I opened every script and by the time I ended it, it was like, oh my God, what an incredible story. And that's, you know, that's that's what definitely Seth and Brandon and and his writing crew and, and Goodman, I mean, they're just so good at good at it. And they've just been in sci-fi for so long and just really knew. I think by the third season, they really have a handle on their show and the world of the Orville and and really took it all right to the very edge and limit. And there's still two episodes to go. There's still a lot coming your way. Put it that way. Excited. I think I know the answer to this already, but listeners of the show will know why I have to ask it. And that's what's with everyone standing up in the shuttles behind the front two seats. Oh my God, not this again. (laughs) (laughs) Is this the thing that comes up a lot? Well, no, lately it has. Like online is a big conversation online. It's very funny. And you know what I just say? I just say, it's a choice. (laughs) I don't know how to answer that question, but it's a choice. I think part of it is just Seth wants people to be present and right up there as opposed to sitting in the seats. So I think that's just, it's just one of those things that we do. We don't have to, but we do. (laughs) (laughs) I absolutely love the horror aspect of shadow realms this season because I'm a big horror fan. It was a horror movie. It was so good. Did you enjoy directing those 10 scary sequences? Is there a different process that you needed to employ to film that specific episode? Well, I, I've, I see a lot of, I mean, I see a lot of movies, period, but I've seen so many horror movies. So it was fun to actually play some of those things that you see in the the shadows and the, the quick glances across screen and all of that kind of stuff was great. Now, I don't know if you know the story of this, but but those creatures were designed for, I'm trying to remember the episode. Oh, it, it's actually the episode with uh, the one that I shot with Seth and uh, Talea when they go off on their date and they got caught by the krill, the ch- yeah. chukta. That creature was designed for that, but the design was so fantastic that we thought, oh, we can't waste it on this because the species that we did use, we're only in a couple of scenes. They attacked the krill and, you know, they have that fight on the planet and that was it. We thought, these guys are so scary. Let's just write a whole episode for them. And so that's how that developed, basically. So that that was actually written and it was written for last season, for season two. And we just somehow never got around to shooting it. I can't remember why but we never got to sh- shoot it. So and then we just transferred it over to season three. So then that that became season three. It virtually the makeup guys made the day on that one. It was just so good what they did and how scary they were. We're just like, oh my God, these guys need their whole, a whole episode for these guys. We can't waste them on, a, on you know, a couple of scenes. So that that's how they came about. So yeah, it was, it, you know, said, said, look, we got a horror movie to do. It's just an all-out horror movie. We'll, we'll, we'll knock the lights out on the bridge, you know, so we have that sort of dart, dart, not the bridge, a whole ship. And the ship looks great dark. I just love the dark. I remember telling Seth on one of the episodes from season one where they knocked the lights out. I said, man, that's a great look. You got to have an excuse to have that dark look in the, in the, in the ship. And we did. So yeah, it was a total horror movie. It was really fun to do. 
And then I had the kids too. So the kids were, you know, it's always great to have a horror movie with kids. Oh yeah. And poor yeah. guy, like he was, he couldn't get close to those guys. He was like, <laughs> kind of soon. He's like, yeah, it's okay. I'll just be back here. <laughs> I want to go do that. Adorable. Yeah, I I loved that episode, and I have to ask this, and I'm sure it's not the first time you've gotten this. Is Nurse Park okay? I don't know what happened to Nurse Park. You know, everyone, everyone's got the Nurse Park thing out there now. We're gonna have to find out. Maybe if you give us the season four, we'll yes. answer the Nurse Park <laughs> question. I'll, I'll 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 get set to answer the Nurse Park question. Well, I guess he became one of those guys, but the problem, you know, the thing is, we don't know what happened to them after they left the ship. You know, where they went, and so that could be another season four storyline too. Yep, I'm down for this. Renew the Orville. <laughs> there you well, go. thank you so much for keeping our Nurse Park hope alive. Yes. Yes, keep it alive. I love I love that he even has a fan base. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's always an absolute pleasure to talk to you. Thank you so much for taking the time today. And hopefully we'll chat again soon. Yes, I hope so too. Thanks, Robin, Katie. Thank you. All right. thank, thank you. Thank you. Quantum Drive is a production of The Geek Generation. If you like this show, be sure to check out our other podcasts on The Geek Generation Network at thegeekgeneration.com. If you'd like to support the show and get access to exclusive bonus podcasts along with other perks, you can visit our Patreon campaign at thegeekgeneration.com slash support. You can follow Quantum Drive on Twitter at Quantum Drive Pod and me at Logan. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayKatiePlay and on Twitch at KatiePetersPlays. And Katie is spelled K-A-T-I-E. Please rate the show and write a review on Apple Podcasts. If you do, we may read your review on an upcoming episode. Finally, questions and comments can be sent to quantumdrive at thegeekgeneration.com. We're out of here for now, but we'll see you soon in In the the future. future.